So welcome back to the Diaries of the Wild Ones. I cannot get over and I'm just completely overwhelmed by how many people are tuning into this podcast every week. So it's about time I give thanks. So I want to give a massive thank you to Wild Earth Australia for being a company that supports the adventurous lifestyle and always has everything I need when I'm planning my trips. You guys are just legends. And thank you to all the listeners and everyone that is sharing these episodes and helping getting it out there. So to say thank you, we're offering a discount code for Wild Earth Australia. So don't be shy and shoot me a message on Instagram at Aaron underscore Shanks or email me through the website diariesofthewildones.com and I'll happily give you a discount code that you can use at wildearth.com.au so you can get whatever gear you need for your next adventure. They even ship internationally. So this was a really special episode for me because of the experience that this recording gave me. So I not just travel because I want to experience as much as I can, but I want to meet and connect with people all around the world. So Mike, who you're about to meet, is a true Canadian. So I met him years ago and became friends with him, but it was on this trip that I truly got to connect with him and really see him for the amazing human he is. A wilderness man, an amazing musician, and just a guy with a heart of gold. So we recorded this episode in his cabin in Tofino, a small little town surrounded by nature on Vancouver Island in British Columbia, Canada. And he just told me some amazing stories. We even started this recording off with him playing his guitar. So I think you guys are just really going to enjoy it because I, I just love it. That sounds really nice. Get a nice sound over that. Yeah. That's really nice. I, that's why I just kind of had to do this right now. It's like sitting here, we just had such a Canadian day. Yeah. It's like I got up and took the dog. Like you have a black lab. What, what's he cross with? Black lab with like husky and wolf and uh, probably a bit of collie. Yeah, he's big. He's bigger than that other one down the road, that other black lab, like the other cross down the road. He's a big dog. But just taking him for a walk through the old growth like Douglas Fern Forest with like snow-capped mountains and like the sound, like all the the river system, the lake system here. What is it? What would you call this? The inlet? They call it the sound? Claycock Sound? Yeah, Claycott Sound is like the whole kind of region, but I guess uh, Tofino would be at the end of a peninsula. Yeah, but all, and then all this water that's around us, these beaches that in, in surrounding, 
there's all these islands out there and then it's just it's all this water in between and it's just this old growth forest that just lines like the shores and it's like this is what people don't understand about beaches here it's like wilderness meets meets the beach it's like i don't know there's no nowhere else in the world like it that i've been like you know you got big sur national park and in the states and everything but and you do have the coastline up up you know the west coast of america but like nothing's like canada especially bc it's like just so raw and so filled with nature well they say it's the the second richest ecosystem in the world right here oh really yeah it's uh well all the the marine life is i think that's the leading reason why yeah there's so much marine life and the little tiny micro ecosystems everywhere kind of we have so much fresh water and um kind of flowing into the salt water and then you'll have these cool like where the fresh water meets the salt water it's kind of half and fresh but the tide's kind of pushing in and out and it's like changing a little bit and there's these little there's things that can only exist in these like tiny little pockets and yeah the spot but you have so amazing much. uh life in the forests you have the wolves and these like i think the wolves and the bears and the eagles and um how they play a part with like taking the salmon out of the water and then bringing them into the forest to eat them. And then the salmon's nutrients are spread in the forest and enrich the forest. And it's pretty, pretty yeah. amazing. What's that divert? It's that whole sustainability. Everything's working. There's a whole circuit that's going on here, you know, like everything's playing its part and it's like untouched. It's so untouched to like, I don't know, maybe for you guys, it seems so touched because like you live here, live here and you've, growing up in canada but like for me it's like coming to such a raw well australia is quite raw but it's just such a different environment it's just different it's but it's definitely touched you look if um the one cool thing about kayaking ocean sea kayaking is the changing of perspectives i don't even know if i should say it's cool it's actually kind of sad because you get out on a kayak and you go out a little ways and then all of a sudden you're you're not right on the beach beside all these tall trees you're further out so you can see behind the trees and you can see all the scars of uh of deforestation and logging logging and um that's actually really sad oh really (laughs) uh it's not something i've experienced you see you see on the road like when you're coming in like on vancouver you see all the logging tracks and all the logging roads but you don't actually see too much deforestation from the roads oh the companies are good at making sure that it's not right in sight you know yeah so they don't they don't want you to know but you vancouver island is hugely logged and the old the percentage of old growth is yeah right like nothing compared to how it used to be you know this this place has this this feeling about it right the first time I came here, this is actually what's crazy, right? The first time I came here was I I was in, in Indonesia sailing on the trip of my lifetime and I blew my knee out and I was like absolutely devastated. And my girlfriend at the time was living here in Tofino because she was Canadian. And I was actually, I was so devastated to get off that boat and like cut my trip at the time short and come to Canada. And I came to Canada and I came to Vancouver Island to Tofino and I was so surrounded by this thick wilderness and this nature, this just this wild place. And it was the most healing experience of my life. And even though I had a busted knee, that time in my life is something that I look back on where it was like, it was actually like where I was so mentally, I was in such a great mental space. And they say something about this island, they, the indigenous say it here, that it's like something that's so healing about it here. 
And it's like because of that forest, because of that nature and because of like, I don't know. I don't know. What is it? Do you know what it is? Oh, it's definitely it's definitely healing because it's, it's like it really it feels kind of more like proper nature here. And I just think uh, tapping into tapping into like real nature will do something for your spirit, you know? Yeah. But it comes that 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 like healing comes with the heaviness, too. There's like there's there's these amazing moments that you're kind of experiencing. But then there's the like I wrote wrote a song once and it kind of sums it up. Uh, the the verses live by the seaside i'm thinking of tofino when i'm writing this but live by the seaside she'll take care of you but on the stormy days be afraid because she gives and she takes away too yeah and it gets lonely and sad yeah there's a heaviness here because of uh how much weather we get yeah it's one of the rainiest places in the world right and plus isolated isolated but um that's that's the beauty and it's like and Mm. the hardship there's beauty in the darkness yeah and that's the thing and that's the thing this is why one of the most well this is what's brought me back here because this is one of the most beautiful places i've ever been and the thing is about people here is that people are so real and i try and explain this back in australia about people in tofino and people in vancouver island people in canada and these places in general it's like they're just real they're wilderness people i'm not calling them hippie i'm not calling them bohemian i'm just calling them real like wilderness it's like they know how to take care of themselves. It's like, I don't know, it's like everyone's a jack of all trades and everyone's just, everyone's practical. Everyone dresses to be practical and comfortable. You know what I mean? It's like there's not much ego, you know, and everyone's so nice and everywhere you go, it's just you're getting hugs and and everyone's just so warm and welcoming. Like I'm staying at your house right now. We're friendly people, man. <laughs> but I think that's... Canadians have a reputation for being friendly, but I don't think people actually understand how fucking amazing Canadians are. Like when you actually come to this country and you see like how nice and like everyone's so friendly and understanding and respectful. And it's just like, it's a beautiful place to live. I I, I thought uh, Australians are, are awesome people. They're just, um, it, we are very different though. We're kind of uh, more conserved like we're friendly but we're polite you know yeah yeah you guys are polite no matter what (laughs) australians are loose man yeah and uh that's it's so you guys are can be a breath of fresh air though for uh like what's that kevin bloody wilson you 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 can't say cunt in canada (laughs) you know like (laughs) you love kevin bloody wilson i just love that song because it's so funny we're a bit like wound up a bit tight tight you know and yeah too much about being polite and you guys are just like you you pride yourselves in being free and loose and it's like and it's it's not even rude the things you say where we're like (gasps) and that's a a really cool perspective it's something that i never look because it's just how we are but to see hear you say that from a different perspective is actually quite interesting it's cool and it's different regions too like i go i don't know it was weird because gold coast i felt like i got to really know australians but then in byron it it's like it's such a scene but it's also people from all around the world that it doesn't really represent australians well then i went to tasmania and i swear to you tasmanians are canadians yeah there's some portal somewhere man that like you we someone made a portal and it's just like you can transport to that part of the world we're the same people it really blew my mind um kind of like I don't know. Uh, Tasmania reminds me so much of Vancouver Island, actually. 
it's a similar size and it just feels like a similar vibe and, and the nature is really beautiful and really prevalent there and it's like all coastal and then you have these people who because of the isolation and the harder climate they just take care of each other you know yeah and uh when i when as soon as i got there people are hitch like we're hitchhiking people are taking us to where we need to go but it doesn't stop there when the when we get to our destination they're like hey like they come back later and like hey i thought you guys like might need some more blankets like i know you just you just touched down you came from like from byron and it so, sounds like canada i know it, it reminded me of it reminded me of here and yeah. uh and and Tas- tasmanians were some of the friendliest nice nicest people it wasn't just like one experience either like yeah. hitchhiking there were three different times actually one time someone brought us blankets like right away because they're like you're not going to be warm enough and we we have extra blankets we don't need them you you kids need to stay warm and uh and then in the next time we're driving someone came back to the exact same spot like different car ride and we're, and we're not like we need anything we were we're happy with what we have but people are just so kind there they another time they came and they're like hey here's like uh you guys are new you probably don't know where to like get any weed this is like a 45 year old like nice lady she's like here's some here's some pot like and we're like okay and then another time another uh, a different car ride hitchhiking this is all just the same story but different people and another lady like brought us a cake she's like here's here's like thought you guys might want some cake like I baked you guys a cake. What? You know? Really? Yeah. Oh. Tazzy was awesome. This is the thing about traveling too. And people just, people just open their arms to you. It's just such an, it's such an amazing experience. It's like this trip right now in Canada. I just put it out to you guys, like to everyone in this town. I just said, hey, I'm looking for a couch. And I was just inundated with people just saying, no, yeah, there's a couch at mine. Stay at mine. Stay at mine. It wasn't like you can. It was like, no, please do. Please do. Everyone's like, like you yourself was just like, yeah, come on, man. Like, because you're awesome, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's funny. You know, people are like fighting them. See, on my couch. Yeah, yeah, we are nice people, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're you're not originally from Vancouver Island. Nope. So you're you're from the from Toronto side. Uh yeah, so the like, east side. Um, so I'm from Ontario, about an hour and a half east, a little bit north of Toronto. I'm I'm 15 minutes east of Peterborough, Ontario. Um, so I grew up in a little village. A bit over a hundred people, little village called Lang, and it's on the Indian River, which flows into Rice Lake. Um, uh, Rice Lake eventually flows into Lake Ontario, and so you're right on those lakes, right on those lakes of connectivity. Yeah, yeah. Like we were we were talking about earlier, how connected Canada is from east to west, from Atlantic to Pacific, through our um, freshwater rivers and lakes great lakes um and so i'm on i'm on a really cool little uh little small river it's beautiful the indian river and um we're kind of like just south of what's known as the kawartha lakes region people have heard of the muskokas like lake muskoka and that's kind of the big canadian uh cottage destination where all the people from toronto go up to uh the muskokas or the kawarthas and we're kind of like the little younger sibling of the Muskokas yeah and it's it's nice it's uh but it's starting to like kind of I feel like it, it might go the same way as the Muskokas did get a bit yuppie and yeah so right now where you are are you still quite wilderness people like still people like yeah totally we're, the outdoors where we are we're like we're outside of the Korthas too a little bit so it's uh 
yeah it's like it's quaint it's like yeah it's nice and that's where you get your ruggedness from your canadianness ah. <laughs> so we're talking about earlier when you said that connectivity between those lakes and this is what just blew me out you you just showed me a map and you showed me how you can literally canoe from east coast of canada all the way to the west and the longest walk that you'd do with a canoe in between was 20k you said yeah so kind of quickly uh canada has mind-blowingly it has 90 percent of uh the world's fresh water uh, there's a lot of water that's like in underground aquifers and stuff and like there's a lot of fresh water and like glaciers that melt and or and just in glaciers that are frozen but for like lakes and rivers we have 90 percent of the world's fresh water and if so if you think about like the europeans who are going all over the world and they're and their ships and colonizing everywhere they cross the atlantic they hit north america and uh the first big waterway that you're gonna that you're gonna hit in canada from the east coast is uh the saint lawrence river and so you can you can take a canoe or that's what you know they would come in their sail ships and they actually had all they were meeting all these first nation tribes and they all had canoes so um you can canoe down the St. Lawrence and get to the Great Lakes. And um, what they found out from their native guides is that our waterways really run east to west. Like, And nowhere else in the world is like that. I was saying, mentioning earlier, you look at a place like Russia and this, this landmass is very similar to Canada, but their rivers kind of run north to south if you look at the, their waterways. We go east to west. So you can paddle from the Atlantic to the Pacific Ocean, you can cross all of Canada's land through the waterways. And uh, yeah, the, a portage is when you carry a canoe on your back and uh, you have to carry your gear across land to get to another waterway. You could you could paddle with the longest portage being 20K. That is fucking insane. From Atlantic to Pacific, yeah. Yeah. So is that why... Um, so that obviously <laughs> is why canoeing is like such a big part of your culture. Canoeing is, as my dad would argue, and me too, um, and a lot of Canadians, uh, is kind of like the biggest symbol of of Canada and Canadians because it connected the whole country, um, and for better or for worse, I mean, like we exploited everything, right? Like, yeah, we why why did Europeans want to colonize. They wanted raw material. They wanted fur. They wanted wood. They wanted fish, and um, they they came over to to colonize and to exploit. And so uh, when they came, they met these different First Nation tribes, and there's like so many. There's so many. Um, I was kind of mentioning just like really quick, brief Canadian history. Um, yeah, the French sided with. Uh, the Huron and the English with the Iroquois, which were warring tribes, and and England and France were at war at the time, so they each kind of had this like r- these really big native alliances, and they uh, they would they would you know trade with these uh, First Nations uh, in exchange for uh, they would get furs from the First Nations. They would give them like you know pots and pans or whatever it was, and they would trade and make these trading alliances. But then they found that they could just like really enter the heart of Canada and they were expanding further and further west and they just realized you can just keep going. You can just, yeah, you can just go across the entire nation. He's fucking, have you ever tried to, to do anything like that? Have you done any big canoe trips? Tons. Yeah. Um, 
I, uh, when I was 10, 10 years old would have been my first big trip. I, I was like, maybe I was 13. Um, I went to a canoe tripping camp, um, based out of Tomogamy in kind of Northern Ontario. Um, the camp's called Wanapate. And so every year I would go as a kid and we'd go on, we'd go for two weeks to the camp and there'd usually be like a 10 day, 10 day canoe trip. And, uh, I think every one of the trips I did was a whitewater trip, except one, one was a flat water where there aren't rapids. Um, and then when I stopped going to that camp, I just, I always wanted to keep doing personal trips and doing it myself. So yeah, uh, the, yeah, the last trip I did now I'm like, I'm an ocean kayaker now cause I'm on the West coast of Canada. But when I wasn't by the coast, I, I always wanted a whitewater paddle. And the last big trip I did was actually, um, we was in the Yukon, which is just east of Alaska and north of British Columbia. And we, we paddled north and we paddled into the Northwest Territories. And we, uh, we passed, as we went further north, we passed the Arctic Circle. And, um, holy shit. Is this in summer or winter? Oh, summer. Summer. You you (laughs) couldn't do it in winter to freeze over. You like trips like that. Yeah. We, I'm not, I'm not that hardcore. Um, the, the people who really have mastered paddling in the winter, the Inuit, like the, the first nations up in the Arctic. And, you know, they, they make their kayaks out of, uh, they have seal skin. Um, that's, that's like what covers their kayaks and, and they go and with harpoons and they go and hunt seals, you know, and they, they can paddle. They're, they're the masters of paddling in these frozen lands, you know, but, yeah. uh, no, I, you, you totally can go for, for cruises and stuff and find some beautiful places in the winter. But, uh, camping is, yeah, this is harsh. This is a very harsh environment. Yeah, it's winter right now. Canada's cold. Yeah, especially We're, up the north. Yeah. I, I was just up in the Yukon earlier this month. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's minus 30. And it was a pretty mild, mild winter. It's a really mild winter up there. Yeah. And, you know, it, it can be minus 30 where I grew up too in Ontario, but... Um, it can be minus 50 and then we're 50 degrees Celsius. So yeah. that's kind of where you walk out the door and you have a bucket full of water and you throw the water out of the bucket and it's ice before it hits the ground, you know? That is fucking insane. Yeah. I, I remember one time I was up in, in Whistler up at the, the peak and it was minus 25 and I, this is the coldest I've ever been. And I took <laughs> my hand out of my glove to take a photo and I took a photo because there, there was like a, a blizzard. I don't know. It was a storm. Yeah. And I took my hand out of the glove to take this photo of this storm. And then I put it back in the glove and it was out for, I don't know, 15 seconds. And my hand was in that much pain and that I just couldn't get it warm. Even back in the glove, I was putting it under. There was nothing I could do. It just wouldn't get warm again. Oh, sorry. And that just like, yeah, this beer. That's, that's this a beer, beer huh? This uh, Moosehead Canadian beer. Your beer is even Moosehead. This isn't a microbrewery. This is a, this is, um, every Canadian's had a moose head before. Yeah. This well, is, yep. We're drinking Canadian beer in Canada, but, but I, I wanted you to tell me, you were telling me early and I haven't heard it yet. You're telling me about some, <laughs> some kayaking, kayaking adventures that you've done, canoe adventures. Yeah. Where you got yourself into some, some deep trouble. And it's like, I, I, t- I stopped you from telling me the story. I was like, no, I, I really want to record this. Yeah, I've so got like, I've got two kind of doozies that were 
you know, they're good stories. Um, maybe I should tell kind of the, the lighthearted one first. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Whatever, whatever you feel, just let it happen. All right. Um, okay. I'll start with, so yeah, we're, we're right now we're drinking East coast beer, but we're out on the West coast of Canada on Vancouver Island. And, uh, this story goes back to my, my first time, my, my intro to, to the Island and the West coast. And I grew up like you, you Australians, pretty much everyone lives on the coast. Yeah. You all know the ocean, but the average Canadian, like, I don't, I wonder what this, the stat would be, but I wonder how, what, how, what percentage of our population has never even like seen the ocean before. I bet it would be higher than you'd think. So I don't, I didn't, I was what, how old? 27. I think the first time I actually like experienced the ocean, I went on this, uh, went on this kayaking trip and I was a whitewater paddler and I was a whitewater canoe and kayak guide for years. So I had like, I had really good experience with white water. So it was a pretty easy transition for me to get, to get into ocean paddling. The only thing is the biggest difference is, uh, when you're paddling on a river, it doesn't matter. We, we categorize like how intense the rapids are by, we call it the class, like class one, two, three, four, you know? Um, but the, the law is always the same. It doesn't matter if it's like really a mellow current or if it's a raging rapid, raging rapids, the laws of the river are the same. Like waters wants to travel in a straight line yeah. and um, there's things called like eddies and they, they work the same. But when you get into the ocean, there's so, there's just, it's such a different experience and all these different currents are happening. The tides are going up and down. It's super like even being like a kind of a water guy, it was so foreign to me. So, but I loved it. I like instantly fell in love with the West coast and kayaking. So we, it's my, my uncle, um, my uncle, he's like, let's go on this five day kayak trip in the broken group islands. So the broken group is really close to Tofino south of, um, south of Tofino is a a town called Euclid and south of Euclid is a town called Bamfield. And you can't really drive between them. There's a, there's like a, in between them there's the broken group islands and it's a whole bunch of scattered islands, really beautiful paddling, really untouched, um, uh, really untouched, uh, forests there on these little islands. You get there, it's all old growth trees. Those huge, like you think of those, those huge Canadian trees, you ten, you need like 10 yeah. people to wrap your arms around Douglas firs and the red cedars. And, uh, yeah. And so he's like, let's do this. I'm like, I'm so down for this trip. I want to experience a different kind of paddling. So it's uh, my uncle and I and three of his work buddies. And so we we set out on this trip and uh, I haven't ever ocean kayaked, but I felt very natural. Like it felt, it came naturally to me, even though the ocean was very foreign. I'm like, okay. And then, you know, I, if I tip over, I'm like, I'll be okay. I can like do a roll and get back up. And uh, And there's one guy out of the five who doesn't really have that much experience at, at any type of paddling two guys are pretty good and then my uncle's like a, a total rock star at paddling and he's kind of the the trip leader and um so anyways we we were on this trip and we find the most perfect beautiful campsite like old growth just heaven on this little 
island and it just felt like no one had been on it in so long and uh this is may so this is like right we this is kind of like you wouldn't want to go on this trip earlier because as you know it gets really gnarly here on the west coast the the swell the the waves are pretty gnarly in the winter so may is kind of like the earliest you want to go it's like still it's kind of getting warmer but anyways so uh there aren't really any other paddlers out yet, which is really nice, but there's a reason there aren't because it's just a bit heavier still. Like you can still get really crazy swells. So we're on this trip and, uh, find this perfect campsite. And this is maybe day two or three. And we say, you know, we all agree that we should probably keep hanging out at this spot cause it's so perfect, but we just want to go for a little day paddle. So we kind of made a mistake and, um, we're like let's leave our tents here and stuff and then we'll go for a paddle and then we'll come back and like my uncle's really good with the maps and um i was kind of learning i've done a lot more paddling and ocean kayaking now and i would never do this again like lesson learned right so we uh we set off and we go on a day paddle and we find this beautiful other beach and it's super warm and kind of like we're on this one side of the island there's no wind we get a fire it's like felt like summer like such a nice summer day shirts off and getting a tan and we've uh we're finding like shellfish oysters and clams and stuff make a fire on the beach and we're like cooking up this seafood that we're catching like right there and then we decide that we want to walk explore the island so we like we we walk to the other side of it and all of a sudden we get around the corner and like boom it is raging wind but we couldn't we just couldn't feel it because we were on the leeward side of of the like this kind of storm that was coming at us so it's like all mellow and then all of a sudden it's like oh man guys it's like something's coming you know so we we get back to the kayaks and we're like let let's boogie and get back to our site and uh it's probably going to be like a couple couple hours of paddling right so we start and and we're Canadians. We're all smoking a ton of pot, right? Yeah, well, it's legal here. Actually, wasn't then. It, yeah, it wasn't. It, like, it's just recently been legalized. So ev- everyone's like pretty stoned. And like, everyone, like, you, you, when you're paddling, you have like a checklist of all the things that you have to have on you at all times, like a lighter, a tent, which we like left behind. But it's pretty funny. Like, everyone's kind of like, passing doobies around like oh here here's a lighter blah blah blah. anyways we'll get back to why that's important later so we end up uh we end up starting this crossing and you know it's okay but it's just getting heavier and heavier and uh and then all of a sudden it's like white capping and the they're like they're waves and it's not like swell breaking like close to shore but it's like white capping out in the open then it's like I'm having a blast because I love white water. So I'm having so much fun. Um, and then we get to this one island and we're like, okay, we got to do like a big crossing. It's going to be like, a, I don't know, like a kilometer and a bit of a paddle to the next island. And if we tip here, we're in a lot of trouble. Yeah. Because it's just like we have to, we'd have to do like a rescue, which my uncle and I know how to do. Um, how to like if someone tips out and has to get out of their boat we can like get the water out and everything but it's just like the waves are getting bigger and, and bigger fr- this is freezing cold water too oh yeah it's like yeah. we we had the gear though for uh like 
we had we had the proper gear if you were to tip and everything it wasn't like we were in cotton t-shirts or anything we were pretty prepared that way but um yeah there's just like one guy especially who didn't have any experience and if he were 15 feet away and we're paddling there would there'd be moments where i couldn't see him at all because the waves were getting so high that like we we would like go down dip down and then we just couldn't even see each other and so um i i felt like it was like whitewater kayaking so i had a big smile i was having so much fun but i look back and uh this one guy mike he um he was like terrified and he had never done anything like this before and i was kind of like ahead of the group a bit the five of us that these two guys um were kind of like close behind me and then my uncle was like way back because he's like being smart and responsible uh he's he's like staying right close to mike and then we're maybe a couple hundred feet ahead and then i just see my uncle and mike turn around and i go oh okay so call the the other fellas over and we kind of meet and um i'm like yeah they just turned around and they go well we're already halfway across like we don't want to turn around i'm like i need to go see what's wrong and they're like well we're going to keep going we're going to keep going towards the campsite i go okay i'm i'm so i turn around and i go back to see my uncle and this guy mike who don't have any experience and i get back to them and my uncle kind of like paddles up to me like without my hearing he's like yeah like there's no way i'm doing this crossing with him he's for sure gonna dump it's like gnarly to do a rescue and i'm like okay so we uh we go back to um this island and we just post up we're like okay we're just gonna like chill here and, and wait out this storm and then we'll we'll get going again when it when it gets mellow it's, but it's not like this storm is like coming, right? It's, it's it hasn't even like fully hit us yet. And, and is it cold? Like it's the temperature. Like it's it... really windy. It was still like, it was still kind of like sunny, but there we could see the clouds coming. Um, and it's like, you know, it, the sun goes down pretty early here, um, even in May. So we're gonna like okay, let's just kind of like get here and kind of expect that we might be on this island you know like and this isn't like a designated island in the broken group for camping like there there are other islands that we can see that are like you can see visible campsites but we're just on this island we're like let's just chill here what does it matter and we're like okay so let's kind of go over what we have in our kayaks and this is where it gets interesting so like obviously we don't have our tents right we left our tents at this other site with our sleeping bags in the tents thermo rests and so and how how cold are we talking that it's going to get at night at at night it's like it's going to get it's going to get uncomfortable like you know what i mean like in the minuses no 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 not in the like even in the winter a lot of the time it won't get into the minuses but cold and so we're like okay we need to we need to figure out we just kind of have to take stock of what we have all of our gear so we get to uh we get to this island and we're like, okay, we don't have tents. That sucks. We don't have sleeping bags. We actually don't even have our like change of clothes. Our bags are changing. So we're like in our wetsuits, which are dry wetsuits. Like we haven't gotten them wet, but we're in dry wetsuits with no clothes. And we're like, okay, that's not good. Like stoners, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stoner bashing time. Oh man. So, uh, and then we're like, we have tons of fresh water, so we're good. We can drink. And then we're like, we have tons of food. So 
we can eat tonight. And then we're like, okay, let's get a fire going. And then we realize in the last doobie smoking session, like all the lighters went to those two, like five lighters went to those two guys. And they they paddled like to to go back to the campsite, right? And we're going like, holy fuck, like this is okay that just kind of made it serious like if we had fire it's all good we don't have shelter we don't have fire we do have food we do have water so uh my uncle and i are like okay the sun's going down let's prioritize and uh we knew we needed shelter and it looked like it was gonna rain so it needed to be like quite waterproof and we knew we needed to get a fire going and like not many people have tried to make a fire out of like the rubbing sticks together. But the, the trick is you need a piece of hardwood and a piece of softwood. Um, so you have the softwood is like the, the piece that you'd lie on the ground and the piece of hardwood stick is the one you'd hold in your hands that you'd rub against the, yeah. the piece of softwood and you go until you're like forever. Like, yeah, but, yeah. so we, we go to Mike and Mike's like a fit guy. We're like, here like this is the technique and and get going and just don't stop rubbing these two sticks together and we're gonna go make shelter so we go and we're like we're cut we're, we're like this is where i feel bad like but we had to cut down a few cedar boughs but we were going to different trees like making sure we weren't like making it look shit you know yeah and so we we cut down some boughs and we're my my uncle he's like would you have knives on you or something or like what were you cutting him down yeah just like we had, him down? we had knives and stuff and so my uncle's like okay we need to make a shelter that literally like say if you have three three guys lying on the ground shoulder to shoulder like close you, we need to make we need to make a shelter that would cover us like but there's no ex there's no more room like yeah pretty much the boughs are just lying on us but not you know yeah and the reason being is if it's like really there's a, a whole bunch of air that's flowing through you're gonna lose all the heat so the idea was to like make like a kind of a thick canopy almost of like cedar boughs and stuff so that uh it would it would keep the warmth in and the rain out and so what are cedar boughs like what do you uh so um, it's one of our cedar boughs it's just like the the branches of the cedar trees and uh the cedar it's just like when you when you take these uh these branches of this like really special kind of sacred tree out here it's like they the first nations use the cedar for everything they use like the inner bark for rope and to make clothing and stuff and and rain gear actually but the boughs if you just kind of like the it's just kind of like the leaves of this tree and so um when you stack them on top of each other it would make a really nice shelter so my uncle and i spent like 45 minutes designing this like really perfect shelter just big enough for three guys and uh and we look over and mike's got like smoke pouring out of like fuming out of this stick and we're like oh this is gonna work like kind of we were just giving him a task because he was kind of stressing out yeah you know we're like we did want it to work but we're like i probably won't work you know yeah and uh we look over and he's like tricep popping out of his arm and he's like got smoke like pouring out of this thing and we're like keep going man and like then we're like okay the the shelter's done like it's good it's going to be good. And so we go over and we're like taking turns and we're all rotating like with this stick. We go at it for like an hour and a bit. We, long story short, do not get a fire going. We were close, but we we didn't. And it's like, 
Yeah, you know? Yeah, you're ex- so, so we're like, okay, guys. And you're expending so much energy that you need for other stuff. Yeah, we're like, let's just face the reality of this. It's getting worse. It looks like rain's coming. The winds and the waves are getting gnarlier. So let's uh, let's prioritize here. And we're like, well, the shelter's done. We're, it doesn't look like the fire's happening. We can keep trying. But right now, what we should do right now is like eat a big meal and get some food in us and drink lots of fresh water. And like, you know, if, if we're really cold, like, fuck, man, we'll just go jogging all night in our wetsuits. And so we have a big meal and we're sitting on this old growth tree that fell over on the beach and just like, it's beautiful. Right. And, but it's the storm's coming. And then, so we have, we've all had good feed and we've all had our, a nice drink. And, and then I, uh, I turn to my uncle and I go, so something I didn't tell you, I, uh, I brought a really big bag of mushrooms on this trip. <laughs> and, oh, my uncle's like, what? He's like, oh, he's like, man, I haven't done mushrooms in like 20 years. And my uncle's, my uncle's cool. Like, you know, and I haven't done mushrooms 20 years. Like he starts going to this like responsibility speech and like in the middle of his speech, I just grab a third of the mushrooms out of the bag and put them in my mouth and start chomping. And he just starts laughing. He's like, Oh fuck. He's like, all right, fuck it. So he grabs a third, starts chomping. Mike grabs a third, starts chomping and boy, do they fucking kick in. Like, man, we were all, we were all like super high, sitting on this log having the greatest time and there's like crabs like running and scuttling around our feet and we're just like man it was great we watched this beautiful sunset and having having like an amazing trip but it's like there's also the like it probably was a bad decision to eat mushrooms when you're in a little bit of trouble but at the same time we're like we're gonna be okay you know like we're gonna be un- at worst we're gonna be quite uncomfortable but you know like yeah. we're okay it'll be okay. And, uh, so anyway, sun kind of goes down. We're sitting on this log and, and we're like, we're not even that cold to tell you the truth. We're like, okay, whatever this, this is what it is. And, um, I look over at the next Island and right behind the Island, I see this like flashing light and I'm going, what is it? Is that like the Northern lights? What is that flashing behind that Island? And my uncle's like, you're just tripping, man. Like, that's nothing. I'm like, no, no, there, I saw it again. He's like, no, I didn't see it. And Mike's like, Mike can barely talk. Mike's so high. He's the highest by far. And he's like, I saw it too. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, fuck. And then my uncle's like, when? And then Mike and I are both like, now, there it is again. My uncle's like, I didn't see it. We're like, what the fuck? How do you not see this light? And he's like, make make a noise when you see it i don't know why but mike and i made the exact same noise the light goes and we're like uh <laughs> you know like we just made a sketchy noise and uh my uncle's like holy fuck yeah i did see that is that what is that like and we're all like tripping out like it's northern lights like fucking ufo i don't know and then out of nowhere right behind the island comes this massive like ship with a huge searchlight like a spotlight and like Okay, so I'm not going to lie. Mike, straight away, he's so high. We're on a, like a huge old growth tree sitting down. He he said later he thought it was a, a spaceship, even though it was a 
boat <laughs> and he he like did a backward somersault off of this log and like ate shit like fell backwards off the log ate it and then like we're still even wearing our spray decks like these things that you have around your waist that you like wrap over the deck of the kayak to keep water out and he takes his spray deck and he like puts it over his head and he's hiding behind the log and my uncle and i are like fuck that's the coast guard and that's like that's like the coast guard big like ship search with a search mission and we're like instantly like my uncle and i are like you know like this is like a we've done so many trips and like i'm not talking about tripping out like canoe trips whitewater trips he's done tons of ocean ocean kayaking trips and so we like instantly kick into responsibility mode even though we're super high and we look at each other like that's a fucking coast guard and they're here looking for us and Shit. they have this searchlight, man, and they're like, they're looking for us. And I told you earlier that we're on an island that's not like a designated, like camping, camping island. So they like go around us, even though. And at first we're like, should we just like hide? We we don't want to go with them. Like we're we're like we'll be okay on this island. Like it might be like kind of cold tonight, but we'll be okay. And we're high. Like I don't want to go on that fucking boat. Yeah. So they go around the corner and we're kind of like being a bit delo and they go around to like the next island where there's a campsite and uh, they're shining the light all over this island. And then my uncle and I are like, man, we have to, we have to get their attention. Like, you know, like they're looking for us. Yeah. And they, they could be in danger themselves by being out in the storm. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I know they got their it, shit sorted. Like It honestly, like it was kind of bad for kayaks. It was totally that ship they were fine you know what i mean Mm. they were fine but um so anyways they're kind of looking over at this next island next to us and oh and the funny thing about this is like i'm i'm like about to apply to like join coast guard (laughs) i don't (laughs) even think i told you that but like i totally want to be coast guard now um so this this ship is uh i hope they never hear this or i don't get in trouble (laughs) so they go around the corner they're shining the light on this island and uh we go to mike who has this really like fancy camera with them we're like dude you need to like go get your camera and you need to start taking photos aiming it at them with your like really high powered flash to like signal them right and he's just like he can't he this is when he couldn't even talk anymore i'm not exaggerating he couldn't talk he was so high and he's just like looking at us like are you fucking for real so we get his camera out for him and we're like here mike turn your flash on just keep clicking the button so he's literally like we're like this is gonna work he's flashing the coast guard with this camera and we're like why are they not looking like this is such a powerful yeah good flash and they aren't aiming the light around at us or anything and they like go and search the next island beside us and and we're like what the fuck like how do they not see us mike's probably and he's like forgetting he's just like stops and he's just like staring for like five minutes forgets to take the flash we're like keep going he's like oh shit like he's so high he forgets and he's like okay keeps flashing then all of a sudden the spotlight whips around like straight on us we're like okay yeah we're here like kind of waving and then this light turns around back to the other island we're like what the fuck like you know and this goes on for an hour and a half and then eventually they finally turn the light back over and they, they like come over to and see us. They thought that we were like a navigational aid, like a lighthouse or something. They said to us later that they thought that we were a lighthouse on the island. 
Well, because the the, the flash it's was pitch like kind black, of... but yeah, he's like hitting the flash. It's like, you know, and they yeah. thought it was a thing spinning around. And uh, so they, they get kind of close to us and they're like, <laughs> I'll never forget. They go, attention, like in a megaphone, attention beach party. <laughs> and we're like, <laughs> we're like, woo, <laughs> you know, like, oh, fuck. And uh, they're like, yeah, we can't, we can't get to you because of like, it's too shallow in the boat. You're going to have to kayak out to us. And I'll never forget looking at Mike and he's just like. Mm-mm. Like shake, he's just shaking his head like fuck no I, and we're like, I like Mark. yeah we're like shit we gotta get in this get in our kayaks and paddle out we're we're so high man like i'm so high and i'm probably the least high of the three right and then we're like i look at mike and i look at my uncle and my uncle and i look at each other and look at mike and go mike we gotta go paddle out to this coast guard rescue ship and he just goes mm-mm and he's just shaking his head no like no not doing it he can't even, he, he couldn't even say that though right so i'm not exaggerating we took uh mike's kayak and we put it right to the edge of the water and we like we picked him up and from like the back and his legs and we like slid him into his kayak and like literally just pushed him out into the ocean <laughs> and then i went second and i remember paddling like behind mike and it was the weirdest feeling ever just like paddling and kind of like looking left and right and looking at mike and over my shoulder behind me at my uncle coming and like then we get to the coast guard ship and they help mike up and then they like they help me up and it was the weirdest feeling i'm like act normal i'm like hey like how's it going (laughs) (laughs) and then it's like act normal everyone act cool we're not high we're not high this is a an eight-man rescue team on this ship and they're like what the fuck is with these guys like who are these guys and they're like i don't know if they if they immediately think these guys are trippers or they're just weird but we were being weird man and uh obviously you're high on mushroom yeah so now we're on this coast guard rescue ship and what had happened was the reason they came is the two guys who were on the trip who made the crossing and went back to the camp they were really worried about us so they got they they had like a a a this the radio you need to contact the coast guard and they called the coast guard and we're like hey like our party split up and like we think these guys might be in trouble because they haven't come back yet so they called the coast guard which is like the right thing to do right like we're not going to be mad at them for that but it was like shit you know like it was a bit of an inconvenience for our fun time we're having on this island you trip and bowls (laughs) island party and so we're on the ship now and they're like securing our kayaks and they're like yeah go down to that like to that room down there in the sh- in the ship like in the belly oh, of the last ship thing you want to do when you're on shrooms go into a room it's a tiny little like boiler room man so i'm sitting on this bench and i'm i'm in the middle and uh my uncle <clears throat> is on my right and it's this tiny room and mike is sitting on my left and we're all like facing the same way and we're like shoulder to shoulder and then directly across from us is another bench and it's like the the like head coast guard rescue guy and he's like facing us like he's sitting in the on a bench that's like opposite us and our my knees are like touching this dude's knees and we're so close and he's like yeah he's like talking to us and dude we're we're on this boat for like 40 minutes maybe as we're he's like taking us where where we're going and we're like, oh, God, we're, like, going back to the island. Like, we didn't even know where the boat was going. And he's, like, talking to us. And we're, we're like, we're tripping out, dude. And 
my uncle and I are holding it together pretty well, but Mike still has not, he still hasn't spoken since he was flashing the, like the camera, right? He hasn't said a word. And, uh, so my uncle and I are like trying to keep it cool. Talk to this like guy. He's asking us these questions and he's like looking at us kind of weird. And, and then Mike out of nowhere decides that he wants to say something. So he, he tries to speak, but he just goes, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> And me and my uncle look at him like whip our heads. We're like, shut the fuck up. Like kind of give him that kind of look like just don't talk, man. And uh, and yeah, and she's and he looks so embarrassed, man. I'll never forget the look. He's just like, oh, fuck. Like, yeah, you know, like, I like, fucked it up. I fucked One it up. Like, yeah. You he, didn't think of telling the ghost guy just being like, look, dude, we're so fucking high on mushrooms. No, like I, you know what? That would have been probably like the thing to do, you know? Yeah. We didn't, and he, but dude, they're like, who am I kidding? He fucking knew. These guys are like, these guys are the best, right? The the Coast Guard on the West Coast here are like legit. Yeah, they, like, know, they know their shit. And they're used to like calls this, because I said like no one really paddles this early, right, in the season. So they come, they come to rescue us, assuming that they're going to find kayakers floating face down in the water dead in these really fucking cold waters right so they're just like happy we're alive and we're like yeah like we're just partying on this island you know and uh so anyways they take us like 40 minutes it felt like i to tell you the truth i have no idea how long that boat ride was but uh they take us to the our old campsite our awesome campsite where our two buddies are waiting i thought we had to like go back to the coast guard station and they're like yeah no like just get out and like and we see our friends have this like huge bonfire on the oh. beach and like so we get our cut we like we're still they don't they can't get up to shore so we like have to get our kayaks back into the ocean and like go down the ladder and get in our kayak and i remember like being like uh thank you you know like yeah. see you later you guys are awesome like they, they were they were so professional right and so we get in the kayaks and we're paddling back and we're just paddling towards this like huge, beautiful fire on the beach on the west coast on some little island in the Broken Group Islands between Tofino and, or between Euclid and Bamfield. And, uh, and then we get to these guys and they're like, they have no idea that I didn't tell them the other two who were at the campsite I brought mushrooms, right? Like they have no idea that we're <laughs> fucking high until the second we walk up to them they're like you guys are high as fucking kite on like psychedelics <laughs> <laughs> i'm like how do you know they're like we could see your eyes while you're still paddling up to us man <laughs> and we're like yeah yeah and then we uh we just had a laugh and oh imagine the coast guard going home to his his wife yeah. he's like i had had a hard day at the office i picked up these trippers <laughs> dude i think they were just relieved you weren't dead man like i what a that job is pretty gnarly and uh yeah fucking hell dude that is <laughs> so what did you do on the island for the night did you end up just enjoying being able to enjoy that trip and oh the we fire just saw and just... like once we got there it was like the whole i don't know it's like when we transitioned into that like warm safety and like everything's cruisy we just like we, it was like good times just had and a good l- time laughing and well you've come you would have come off such a high too coming out of that it's like yeah you went from... <laughs> oh how did mike go uh yeah he like once he got to the island he like kind of pulled it together but it wasn't until then I, he was like i think he was like traumatized from the <laughs> yeah do, do you reckon he went into a bad trip or like oh as my well god man yeah he he thought it was a spaceship he fucking rolled, <laughs> he did a backward somersault ate shit and like, probably was thinking he'd been abducted by a spaceship yeah he was he was literally hiding 
under like a neoprene spray deck behind an old growth log, like <laughs> wondering what the fuck was coming for him. I'll never forget that. Like Mike, we got to paddle to that boat and just like the, mm-mm, like yeah, the no, no, no. like, mm-mm. um, but yep. <laughs> Dude, that is fucking hilarious. That's fucking brilliant. That is so, oh, I don't even know where to go from that. You reckon you got a better story? I'm like, how can you beat that? I don't know about like, that one's kind of like, you know, it's, I don't know. It almost sounds like I'm bragging. Let me just get this across. Like, that is not cool. Like, we were, we, we made some dumb mistakes. And, like, I pride myself, honestly, like, on, like, being playing it, like, being on the safe side when it comes to things like this. Like, yeah. That, this story makes me sound like an idiot. And I, we were idiots on this trip, you know, like, you got to be safe and you can die and it is serious. You know what I mean? So I don't want to play like, I don't want to make it sound too lighthearted, but it's just a funny story. Do, do you reckon, I know, but do, do you reckon too, because of the experiences that you have, how much experience you have that you kind of, you had a bit too much confidence and that was, that was a good eye opener again for you. Cause like that happens to me in the ocean. Sometimes with surf, it's like, sometimes I'm just too overconfident with things and suddenly I'll get myself into a dangerous situation. I get rewoken to the fact like, Hey, fuck, this is a wild place. Like there's something that could eat me whenever it wants to. And you get like reawoken to it. Do you reckon that was something that happened to you? I think when I had a moment of uh, overconfidence, it was probably, uh, when I first started to do the big crossing and I like, I like kind of like was so stoked because I, I was used to whitewater paddling that I would like, I had like a huge smile on my face, not realizing that I was like getting kind of pretty far ahead of the, the crew. And my uncle is like way waiting back with, you know, like my uncle's being smart cause he's been on more of these ocean trips. Like you're only as fast as the slowest guy, you know, you've heard yeah, that before. Yeah. And I'm like racing ahead, like, woo, like so happy. And I don't think I was like, I think I was just, I was just so stoked on this new experience, this new way to, uh, to paddle. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, when we turned around, like the whole group should have done it together. We should have stuck together, you know? Um, but uh, yeah, I learned a lot from that trip for sure, because I'd done so many trips and like so many times, like everything has gone right on a trip. Um, but then that trip really like, sorry it's fun, just funny to call it the trip like yeah, a trip yeah, yeah. but uh kind of that trip, dual, that, dual sense <laughs> dual trip yeah um that that like kayaking trip actually i'm glad it happened because now i'm like ultra like playing it safe i'm i'll like i'll challenge myself but nature will nature will fuck you up man and and i've just seen nature so angry at like and out here on the west coast it's like it'll be beautiful and chill and then boom it's like everything changes and this like storm just hits you and yeah. that that kind of happened to it's us a really rural place so i'll like one one crazy thing about if you're like canoeing in ontario Continue. nice if you're uh if you're canoeing in ontario on like a two-week whitewater canoe trip you can kind of go all right, break down every single day and have it all planned out ahead. Like day one, we're going to paddle 25 kilometers and we're going to camp here on this night. Then the next day we're going to paddle 18 kilometers and we'll get to this campsite and you have it all mapped out. Even if it's shitty weather, like, and it's raining and stuff, it's like, 
whatever, you can still make it happen. But on the West Coast, it isn't like that. You don't plan out a trip like we're going to go here on this day and here on that day. You just have to listen to what's going on. You have to be in tune with nature because if you're paddling and a huge storm comes, you don't paddle in that. You just go bunker down like hunker down on like a, on a little island. You set up your camp and you chill out and you have like your tarp set up and you kind of have like, you know, your tent area for sleeping. You have uh, a kitchen tarp set up in a kitchen spot. You have another tarp set up for kind of like a little lounging area where you have your fire and your, yeah. and, uh, so you, you do what the weather permits on the West coast when it comes to paddling. Do you, do you, I remember we, we did a hike trip for, for some waves one day, uh, one weekend and we hiked in and I remember we had to, so I was with a bunch of Canadians. I was the only Australian, but I remember we um, went and put our food up in a tree like a couple hundred meters away because of bears and cougars. Is that something that you do when you're on these, when you're doing these trips as well? Oh yeah. Always. You, it's uh, called a food cache. And yeah, that, that was an experience for me. It was like something I, I that we don't think about like that. I didn't have to think about so much. It's like, um, well, yeah, out here you have the three, three main predators, right? You have, um, the, the scariest being cougars, mountain lions, you know, um, what's scarier than bears? Oh yeah. I mean, we don't have, okay. So there's, oh yeah. Cause the island, there's no grizzly bears. Yeah. The island it's, it's black bears, it's black bears, yeah. black bears, like, um, you know, you definitely be cautious, but, uh, I've, I've like, I've been 10 feet away from black bears, like a, a lot. I've been super, I've like, you know, been walking the woods and you're like, they're like right, right beside you. And you're like, whoa, I didn't even see it. And they, they're like, look up at you and you're right beside them. And then they just put their head back down, keep munching on the grass, you know, like. Would that happen if that was a grizzly? Oh man, grizzlies will fuck you up. They'll, you know, no, like a grizzly. I see a grizzly. I've heard of Canadians have told me if you see a grizzly, you're done. Like if you're there within that vicinity it's like it knows you're there it's already been tailing you or whatever it's like if you're in the vicinity where you've is that is that right or like that's more uh probably cougars um like you don't ever really see a cougar because they're so stealth it's a think about like a, a house cat right think about how like high up a house cat can jump or how far it can leap now th- take it and multiply it by however big a cougar is right and you think of like the proportions, like how much bigger it is it can like, it could like jump across a two lane road and not touch pavement, you know, like, yeah. and so these things are ultra, they're, they're That's like stuff. the craziest killing machines. And so they, if you see um, a cougar, yeah, it's, it's bad. Um, but grizzly bears, like they're like kind of big and like heavy and kind of like you're gonna hear them kind of like crashing around and stuff like they're not like these stealthy cats you know but mm. so it, what's uh, the third what's the third uh wolves wolves yeah so yeah yeah we'll, we'll pattern a wolf today yeah well there's the one that was, a tame, that was a tame one here's a little wolf here there's a hundred pound wolf right by your feet right now actually well black lab wolf husky um yeah how are you doing there huckleberry Hey, good boy. He's a good dog. He's a good dog. Yeah. So th- this is the thing, right? Okay, everyone, all you Canadians like, oh, Australia is so crazy. And oh, that wasn't a, that was a very bad Canadian accent. But <laughs> the thing is like, of all those things that we have in Australia, we don't even worry about it. And then when, when we come to Canada, it's like, 
fuck? We're like, what are you worried about in Australia? It's like, okay. you just have bears, cougars, and fucking wolves. <laughs> Dude, if you, if you look at like the 12 deadliest animals on the planet, they're like all in Australia. Yeah, yeah. So here's, <laughs> here, but I'm glad you said that because someone in Australia, actually my roommate kind of said this to me, a guy I lived with on the Gold Coast because we were surfing and like all of a sudden we saw like a, a, a shark in the water and and he's like, oh man, like when you, it's like the way I am with a black bear. If I see a black bear, I'm not, I'm not scared. I'm cautious, you know? Yeah. But it's super easy to read a bear's a black bear's kind of body language and you just give it as much space like you just you don't i said i've been really close to bears it wasn't intentional yeah um but it's like it happens like you could be just like riding your bike down the path all of a sudden it's right there or like walking in the woods but um you can tell when they're pissed like i've been i've been by bears and like i've had one like mad at me and like like ripping dirt up and stuff showing me to fuck off and i'm like yep okay like and i will fuck off <laughs> and yeah and I'm, I'm gone and i didn't mean i didn't even like know i was that close to it until i saw it. and then it warned me but it's like and then and then it like pissed itself it like and and it like it like kind of like it shit on the ground and like ran straight up a tree it like kind of warned me but then it was terrified of me you know the black yeah. bears are very cautious um uh, and then another, actually, sorry, I'm kind of like sidetracking the story here. I'll tell you another cool, not, it's not that cool, but a crazy bear story. You ne- hear, you never kind of want to be between like the mama and her cub, right? That's yeah. like, that's when black bears are most dangerous, like a mother and cub kind of situation. And so I remember one time I was like, I, I was in Whistler leaving my friend's place, like probably around midnight. And so it was, Whistler's up in the mountains. Yeah. Whistler's, um, it's yeah. the biggest ski hill in Canada. Yeah, most uh, most popular ski hill. It's the mo. It has the most terrain for uh, a hill in all of North America. Yeah, and so I I was living there for a while, and I was leaving a buddy's house. It's midnight, it's pitch black, and I'm walking down this hill, and I can't really see much. It's really dark, and then I hear something. Uh, I hear something like beside me. I'm right in the middle of the this two lane road, walking down a hill, and I hear something kind of in the ditch. And I look over my right shoulder. I'm like, oh, shit. It's like a little little bear cub, like adorable little bear cub. I'm like, oh, and immediately if you're a Canadian, you go, okay, where's mom? You know, that's yeah. what's in your head. And then I hear a big noise like on the opposite ditch. And and I'm like, I am, I am a fucking smack dab in the middle between mother and cub right now. And I'm like 20 feet from, from each. And then like the mother she walks walks out like kind of like how a bear walks on all four walks to the middle of the road and then just stands up and like sizes me up like and i'm like uh, perfectly like in between her and her cub and she walks like so close up to me and just stands up and i was just like i don't know you're always told kind of what to do in these situations and is that play dead or no like run (laughs) i you're supposed to be kind of go, oh, bear, like, hey, bear, you're supposed to, like, not be threatening, but you're supposed to, like, be assertive without, like, threatening this thing. Yeah. And I didn't really do that. I, I'd had a bit to drink, too, right? And I was just like, wah! Like, I just, like, yelled. The second it stood up to, like, to, like, and it was so much, I'm six foot four, like, uh, I don't know what that is, and centimeters yeah. like because we we i don't know canadians use metric and imperial but i'm i'm a tall human and this mother bear she's like stood up and towered over me and i just like 
I just yelled. I like, like, like screamed and as loud as I could. And she like immediately like sprinted sideways to the, to the other, other ditch where her cub was and sprinted right past me, right to her cub. And just like, they bolted off into the woods. Holy shit. Um, but I'm, that's like, I've had a couple experiences with bears where they've kind of like, you know, challenged me, but for the most part, you see a bear. Oh, I'm going to come back to the original point here. You, you see a bear and you can read its body language and it's just like meandering and like just wants to eat grass or whatever. And then it's, and my, my Australian roommate said, I was like, Oh fuck shark. And he's like, he's like, yeah, tourists when in like Byron or gold coast, when they're surfing, they lose it. They see a shark and they're like screaming. They think it's like jaws and they have to get out of the water immediately. And the Australians are laughing because you can read the body language of a shark, right? Like, if it's just kind of cruising in a straight line really slowly, kind of like a dormant state almost, it's like you don't really have to be threatened. But if it's like thrashing a bit and yeah, it's, like, it's like coming, circling. yeah, it's like circling and like coming at you and then quickly turning around, then like turning around, coming and checking you out. That's get out of the fucking water, you know? Yeah. So uh, I know a lot of Australians, their sharks like so close and they just keep surfing and because you can kind of. I see a lot of sharks. Yeah. And, and that's the same. And I, that's the same thing. I've now surfed with great white sharks and i'm and i'm with aussies who are like it's okay you know and well great whites are kind of like our grizzlies it's like you fuck it's still in the same time you're like yeah i've shit i know (laughs) they it was like pretty far away like i could see it actually i thought it was a whale when i first saw that great white and i but i the one shark my roommate was telling me all this another time like I was sitting and he was probably like, we're waiting for the, for a set to come just sitting on our surfboards. And then there's a huge thrash, like, like touching him right beside him. And he just like gives me this look, like you see that? And I go, yeah. He's like, that thing just smashed into my legs. And it was like pretty big shark. And, and I'm like, okay, let's get out. He's like, yeah. Yeah. And Fucking I've, I've probably gotten out of the water four times from sharks in Australia from living there in 15 months. And I'm sure you've, done it a lot but i'm sure you stayed yeah. in the water it ha- happened a couple of weeks ago actually we all got called out of the water by the lifeguards it's about 30 surfers in the water all the there was a, a great white going through the lineup and the lifeguards are calling everyone out and all the surfers just sat there looking at each other just waiting for like who's going to be the first to get out it's kind of it was kind of silly but like at the same time we took so long yeah i was like even in my head i was like the waves, the, the are, waves, the waves are, are good eh? <laughs> the waves are good in my head i was like if everyone goes in i'll get a good one in you know what i mean i'm like i'll go in there's enough of us what's the chances that it'll get me <laughs> i was like this is well your odds right, are mate. getting worse and worse yeah, as people are going in yeah. then as people went in i was like oh shit i better go in but yeah so t- tell us about this alaskan story or uh, the the one the yukon the yukon yeah um let's get high too i'm gonna like this joint you you, you tell me this story Spark it up, Sparky. Fuck, this is BC bud. Strong weed. Yeah, I got to be careful. Remember what happened last night. I don't know if the uh, conversation will be flowing quite as smoothly, but let's fuck it. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it, man. Oh, fuck. Oh, you knocked me out last night with this shit. I was like, fucking hell. You, he told, this is what Mike told me, right? He said, oh, no, this is light weed. I was like, okay, cool. So I had a puff on it. Holy shit. It hit me straight in the head like a brick. All right, so tell me what happened up north. What's this Yukon? What's this crazy story? This one, this one is like the last 
story. I feel like an idiot telling it. It's funny though. It's like it's a funny story. This one is like another kind of like oh fuck, another nature getting angry story. Um, there's only a little bit in that, but yeah. Okay, yeah. One sec. Thank you. So, my uh, my sister and her husband at this time it was they weren't married they uh, they were partners for a long time and um, as I was saying I grew up doing I did a lot of white water paddling growing up and my sister's name's Julia and she's an amazing very experienced um, white water canoeing guide she's led two-month canoe trips up in the Arctic and Nunavut and she was living up in the Yukon and um, in, in Dawson City at the time with Bobby who's also he was an, another canoeing guide we we all and were at this her partner yeah Bobby's her husband now and uh, at this time they were just uh, their partners and they they had a place in Dawson they said hey like come up and do this this amazing canoe trip um, like 15-day whitewater canoe trip like way up in the well it wasn't we were going to paddle like up north past the arctic circle into the arctic and i said i'm in and uh i ended up having i i called uh my best friend marco and said man you want to you want to come out on this like epic you know arctic canoe trip and he's it's like adventure yeah he's like yeah and i said okay um so there'll only be, there'll be the four of us and you like we all are, are white water. Like we, we've all paddled a lot of white You're water, except, experience. except for you. So you need, I made him do a white water course. I said, if you want to do this trip, he was in Ottawa. And uh, I said, I think that's where he did his course. I said, you got to take a white water course if you want to do this trip. So he like, he did and he like learned the techniques and he's like a really smart, like strong, confident, like smart guy. And so we, uh, we all meet up and, we i think uh, it was like this little town near mayo that we flew out of in in the yukon and we uh we strapped these two canoes to uh, a float plane and the four of us and my sister and bobby's dog spruce so four of us and this little dog we all took a float plane to like up north um to the yukon the yukon is uh i think i said earlier it's just east of alaska it's north of british columbia and um so we we are the the destination the river we are going to paddle is uh it's called the snake river the snake river is a tributary to the peel river the peel watershed so there are these five five rivers that flow into the peel there's the snake which uh, we paddled there's the wind the heart the rat and the bonnet plume that's fucking beautiful and and, and is that the beautiful the indigenous country. names translated Oh, do uh, I don't think so. I think it was probably just like white names that were given. Yeah, I may. I, I could be wrong. Actually, I. Yeah. Uh, it's a good question. I'm, I'll like to look that up later. Um, so we we land on I think it was called like Twin Twin Lakes, which is like right maybe a a half a kilometer portage away from the Snake River. So we land on this on this uh, lake and we do this portage and we set off on this amazing journey it's this beautiful 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 uh river and it's like a lot of it's really mountainous and you're kind of like going through canyons and 
beautiful mountains and really fun whitewater sections. So there's kind of like a lot of class. Class one is like where there's current, but it's like barely anything. Class one's where you just kind of learn what a current feels like. Class two is like pretty easy paddling, but it's like there's like a few technical aspects that are involved. Like you kind of learn... Yeah, you you have to know about like eddies and eddying in, eddying out, and it's just like you didn't you need you need to like know what you're doing. But even if you could probably still like float down a class two in a in like a a raft by yourself, even if you didn't really know, and you'd probably be okay. Class three is where it starts to like it's technical with some size and it's like moving faster. So this river's probably I think it only had like two class three sections. Uh, and the 15 day stretch that we were doing and a lot of it was class two. So just kind of like fun moving current, like good times. And so, uh, 15 days is, uh, how much time we expect this trip to take. And, oh, it's beautiful. Like, you know, that we had caribou, which are our reindeer, you know, yeah. like Santa's reindeer. We're near the North pole, right? We're Canadians. We live near Santa. So there's like caribou coming through our campsite one night and, and, uh, there's like mountain sheep that are like climbing on all the mountains and cliffs, like right beside the river. Like I remember one time we're paddling down and these sheep are like running the same direction that we're paddling on the, this like steep cliff face, you know, like planet earth, you see the like mountain sheep and you're like, how are they, how's a goat? Like, how's a sheep? Like, yeah. even there let alone like moving so quickly and they were like trying to run away from us but we were like going the same speed as them so forever we're just like paddling and they're like running on this sheer cliff face like it was really cool we saw so much beautiful wildlife and um we we did a lot of uh a lot of hiking we did like a, we climbed numerous mountains like we're like okay we've gone as far as we need to go we could actually have a rest day and we're like fuck a rest day let's go hike the mountain beside us and we'd like go climb to the top and back down and man it was it was like proper amazing northern canadian adventure <clears throat> and um yeah i remember the river the river was just like beautiful like this color of blue i remember this one section where we were on the snake but then there was another little creek that was flowing in and you could literally see the two different colors of water were so different one was kind of like a I like a darker green one was like that beautiful blue and it's like and it was it was really special and then I think it was about day 12 we we'd we'd gone through like the really the craziest of the white water and we all had like we we were like portaging back to do these sec- we were like portaging as you carry the canoe on your back we're portaging back so we could like repaddle these like fun sections of class three and yeah and uh the, you, the really fun class two sections what food do you take like when you're doing these big long trips like how you have to prep like a month or two months in advance and uh, you need a dehydrator so you have to dehydrate like tons of your food so like you can bring lots of fruit and vegetables and meats but you dehydrate it so it loses all its weight because all the water sucked out of it yeah but then you like add you just like get water from the river boil it up and then you like put these ingredients in and they like soak the water back up and like so yeah you need to you need like you you have to have like every meal planned you know what I mean? And yeah, every, yeah. And you can bring fresh produce and stuff at the start, but you just need to eat it at the start of the trip or it'll yeah. go bad. But then you have like, you know, and you have pastas and rice, like you need like yeah, think, things that, yeah, and... carbs and, and, and rice is a really good one to have because you can get so much, you, you know how rice yeah. works, you cook it and it's like, you have so much more 
and it's kind of the same concept as like dehydrated food the way like rice just gets a grain of rice absorbs so much water so and you know we're fishing and stuff too and there's a grayling up there and we didn't catch that many fish to tell you the truth um the dog i remember the dog killed ground squirrel actually and we were like oh we need to like he killed a squirrel yeah like ground squirrel we're like we need we need to like make the dog eat the squirrel like it should eat its kill you know we we felt bad so we tried to get the dog to eat it's like i'm not eating that fucking thing so we skinned it and like presented the raw meat and it wouldn't eat it so we cut all the meat off and we cooked it up and we like we like fried up the ground squirrel and went to feed it to the dog still wouldn't eat it i think i'm pretty sure we ate it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. why not yeah why not it's good meat and um and so we uh anyways about day 12 out of 15 um we've paddled we're near i think we're just like we're near the end of the snake before it's going to flow into the peel the like really big river all these tributaries flow into the peel and so we're uh we're we're at the end of the snake and then i remember it rained out of nowhere just like poured torrential downpour i live in i live in one of the rainiest places in the world where we're sitting right now in tofino it gets more rain than almost anywhere in the world i've still never seen it rain harder than it rained up in up in the arctic oh and by this point by the way during that 12 days we had paddled from the yukon into the northwest territories the territory so there's alaska and then east of that's yukon east of the yukon's the northwest territory so now we're in the northwest territories and we've passed the arctic circle so we're now properly in the arctic and uh it starts pouring rain harder than i've ever seen in my life and it wasn't like for a really long duration but it just like dumped buckets of water and we're, I was like, whoa, that that's crazy. Like, it's kind of cool, you know? And uh, I'm very proud of myself. This is my Canadian moment. I still got a fire going. Heaviest rain. rain I've ever seen. Well, got a tarp up and I took my hatchet and kind of stripped all the wet bark over. Like, I had to get oh, all the bark work. off. Yeah, and got to the inside of these logs. And I was like, I was drenched. Like, even with, like, my proper gear, I was drenched. And I was like, I need to, like, get warm and dry. So we, we go to this like island and we're setting it, we set up camp and I get a tarp set up and get a fire going under it and like drying my clothes and we're just, you know, like getting warm and, and the rain kind of like dies down, stops. We have our tents set up. We have our like little kitchen area set up and, uh, there's, there's like kind of a little, the island we're on, the river's right beside us, but we had the canoes on like lower ground, like even kind of like almost, it was almost like an, another island right beside us. Yeah that was and we were at a higher elevation and i just like really no noticed obviously like how much the river was rising and and uh the others the others went to bed mark and julie and bobby with the dog spruce they they went to their tents and went to bed and uh i looked i looked over i'm like holy shit that water is like fast rising towards where our canoes are so i'm like i better bring them up to like where i am so i go and get the canoes and the gear and the life jacks paddles bring them up to where the fire is and uh maybe like an hour later like it's late but oh the other thing is now i'm in the arctic so it's 24 hours of sunlight you could like read you could read your book by the sun at like three four in the morning right the sun doesn't go down when you're that far north so it's it's getting it's like pretty late like maybe 10 11 o'clock and i'm like shit the water the water's coming up so i moved that gear and 
within like probably 35, 40 minutes, like under an hour for sure, that island is gone where the canoes were. And it's like now coming up kind of closer to where I am. I'm like, shit. So again, I moved the canoes to like the highest ground on the island I'm at. And I move every, all of our stuff that's still by this fire. Have you woken the others up? And No. I've So now I've moved. I, <clears throat> I didn't wake him up yet. But uh, once I moved everything to the highest ground, like reset my tent up there and close to where Julian Bobby's was, um, I went to my sister. I'm like, hey, I've, I've literally just been like shuffling our stuff around, like thinking it was good, realizing that it's still not good. The, the river's coming up. I'm like, I have to sleep. Like I've been up for hours, like stressing about this and removing the camp. And she's like, okay, okay. Like I'll, I'll like kind of like stop you out, keep a watch, you know? Yeah. And, uh, she wakes me up. I go to bed and she wakes me up. She goes, you're floating in water. I look down and the, the water is now like just touching my thermarest. It's inside my tent. The river is like gotten to us on the highest ground of the island. I go, holy shit so i what, uh what was she watching or like how, no she she like she, she just slept you know like yeah 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 she she's but luckily she woke up when she did you know yeah yeah and uh fair enough it's i've been on watch sailing and it's like it's so hard to stay awake when you're doing we we're doing like four hours four hours four hours so you have four hours sleep and then you know one of the boys wakes you up and next thing you're on watch for four hours and and it's it's hard and it's hard to stay awake because it's quiet. There's no no one around to keep you company, and you're just sitting there. You know, like I'm the worst man. I I like have to pull over all the time when I'm driving, like on the side of the road, because I'm like I get tired. Just like you know, like I get yeah. it. I get it. How if back in the day that like I'd be the guy who'd be killed by the the general for falling asleep on the <laughs> for yeah, sure. Yeah. So, anyways, I go to sleep. She's like, you need to get the fuck up. Like the river's gotten to us. And so we're like, oh shit, like I'm undoing my tent, like packing my shit up. Everything's like pretty wet. And uh, by the time we've packed everything up and we're like putting it in the canoes, we're like, it's like kind of the waters between our ankles and our knees. Like, and like it's a current, right? So like literally by like the minute that we pack everything into our canoes, we jump in our canoes and we are now floating in a current and the island's gone like to the minute that we Holy to the minute shit. and uh this is what happened You're lucky that it, do- it doesn't go dark that you had the light for this imagine we, if the sun did go down yeah and and so i don't remember what time this was kind of like early morning now by the time it got up to the highest ground this is this is like people don't they kind of can't even like comprehend this but i'm not kidding you the water rose 20 vertical feet in about two and a half days from this one rainfall. So like we were like, Oh God, this is bad. We had no idea what we were in for. Like the water came up and we start paddling. It turned into raging rapids. Like the water was supposed we had GPS and we know the, the water is supposed to be moving one kilometer an hour it was moving at 14 kilometers an hour. It probably, the river like was a narrow river. It was probably eight times as wide as it's supposed to be because it just like all this rain had flooded in. We're paddling down and like not only are the islands that we're camping on underwater, the trees growing on the islands are underwater. So we're, we're now higher than the trees that we were like, that were over top of us while we were camping. And it is 
instead of this beautiful blue water, um, because the river's expanded so wide, it's eroding all the cliffs. So we're, we're like paddling like crazy white water and watching like 200 feet by like 40 feet deep of like cliff, just like uh, falling into the river. Like, like, you know, like this is so much are you, destruction are you scared at this point. Are you yeah. sc- adrenaline's really kicked in? We, we all know the severity of the situation and, um, we know that we are in like, we are, we have to be alert and tipping. This is okay. So because all of these trees are like the cliffs are eroding and stuff into the river, instead of blue water, it's like chocolate. It's like, it looks like a chocolate milk. No, yeah. instead of blue, it's just pure mud. And there are these trees that have fallen into the river, big trees and you don't even see them like like huge waves like crazy rolling waves from these rapids and then boom like a tree will just explode up out of the water that you didn't even know was there that could like would completely like take you out right yeah. and we're just going oh my god we're not even gonna be able to see it if it like comes and it's just like and it's happening all over like like huge trees just like shooting oh, up out shit. of the water and um so we're just paddling man we like we're lucky we know how to paddle white water, you know. Like, if, stick sticking together too, and sticking yeah. in the communication going. And oh yeah, we're like we're like staying super close. But there's, uh, I was kind of mentioning eddies. There's these like if you say there's a big rock in the river, you can kind of like paddle behind the rock and like and like have protection because it's like it kind of blocks the current. Right? There's yeah. nothing. There's no eddies where we can eddy out and be safe we can't there's literally nowhere to get out it's just raging water smashing earth and like eroding all the earth into the yeah. river and the river's there's getting no safe haven there's nowhere the river's getting just like bigger and angrier and gnarlier i don't know how many hours we paddled this raging water but we did it and we didn't no one tipped man there's a dog sitting on top of like a canoe like on top of all the gear we're just we're we're like Everyone knows that this is the hairiest situation. It's bad, but we're man, we 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 paddled and we did it and we got to like where the peel was and eventually it just started to get a bit mellower and a bit So mellower. that's the open the river mouth where it yeah, joins the the snake is like the tr- the snake river that we're on is a tributary to the peel. So we get to the peel and it's like a super wide because it's so wide, so much yeah. wider so than the, the snake. So the water's dispersing. And yeah, sounds... it like, yeah, exactly. It disperses. So we like, we hit the peel and then we're like cruising down the peel and then we're just like, oh my God. And we got the canoes together and like, just kind of like held the gunnels of each other's canoes and then just laid back and like exhausted from how long we'd just been paddling. And we were just like, fuck. And we were just right in the middle of the river on the peel. And, uh, and you survived it. Yeah, and we were like, we did it. And I can't believe no one hit a tree. I've, I've been in the surf, um, down past you, you, you cool it, and there was a whole heap of logs in the water. Yeah, and I remember going up and pushing one, and as I pushed it, this wave hit it, and the back of it just lifted up, and it could have just taken me out. It was just like. There's these massive logs in the water. They, I'm, I'm talking they, the huge trees, trees here are big. The trees here are big, yeah. and it's like and the waves push them around like toothpicks. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's uh, it's crazy. Yeah, during the huge storms here, uh, you all of these 
like old growth trees and or just big trees kind of get washed together and it's like you see you think of those like old school like logging guys who are like standing standing on on them in the water kind of rolling them and and it's it's like totally looks like that except the waves are smashing them everywhere and if you're in if you're in the middle like you're dead right like you're just gonna get smushed so you don't don't surf in that Aaron. (laughs) no 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 (laughs) but um yeah so we it was pretty it was exhilarating um but it was really scary the white water was like pretty wild obviously but the scariest thing were these trees that would just completely nuke you just take you out and uh luckily they didn't hit hit us but watching i'm not not exaggerating like from where the the water meets the cliff like say 40 to like 50 feet backwards like these are like you know 60 foot 70 foot cliffs 40 from like that cliff to 40 feet back and like a hundred feet long is like sliding into the river we're in it was like crazy yeah fuck that's one one thing my mom always told me about camping camping on rivers is always go uphill and up high from the river because you could be there and it could be completely dry but it could be raining somewhere else up river and that rain will come down in a flash flood and that that happens all the time yeah i've seen that happen i've seen i've seen um the water rise um yeah it was 20 minutes there's a part uh, there was, when the great floods happened in um brisbane it came from toowoomba this town toowoomba and which is an old vo- volcano yeah and it rained that hard up there that this water came down it was a wall of water that was like i think it was like 20 meters it hit at its peak high and when you drive from at the time, just after the floods, you drove from Toowoomba to Brisbane, and you could see up in these trees, massive, the waterline. And I'm talking 20 meters up. You see, and you can't even fathom it. It washed houses away. It completely just washed houses away. Flooded. Uh, it's just insane. But it's like that's that's how quick it can happen, and it actually can rise so it's like fast, a storm and so from quick. somewhere else. Yeah. So where that rain hit you, it was obviously hitting so much harder or not or the same intensity but up uh, river yeah. up river and and on the other rivers too the other tributaries and oh and the crazy thing is so now we're on the peel watershed our destination is uh fort mcpherson which is like we're we're so far we're like up pretty far north it's like getting pretty close to the arctic ocean you can kind of look on a map where fort mcpherson is uh, this native reserve and so we get there and there, there's like a ferry because the town's on um on the east side of the river but the dempster highway to like get drive back to dawson is on the west side of the river so there's a ferry that you have to cross on and like the ferry like terminal was like taken out shit yeah so we we were actually we had to chill a little bit longer in fort mcpherson than expected and uh yeah and then we got we ended up uh oh friendliest folks up there ever like the the first nations people like first person we saw like have our thumb out hitching we have like all our gear canoes buddy like first guy picks us up takes us where we need to go takes us to this other like elder guy's house this is actually kind of a side story but pretty interesting like we go over to this elder guy's house and uh the dog is inside and there's another ground squirrel 
and the dog runs over and immediately kills it again or like another ground squirrel like fuck like all right and, and it wasn't dead yet it like broke its neck or something and this thing was dying and uh bobby pulled out his his uh pocket knife to go and like yeah. quickly kill it to like get it out of its misery and uh the 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 elder stopped him and he said no and bobby's like hmm? and he's like don't kill it he's like that's the dog's kill and and the animal died from its injury not from bobby's blade and it was that was kind of interesting yeah he's like that that's the dog's kill and he like you have to honor that you know shit yeah that was it's a different way of thinking huh yeah and um anyways really really uh really beautiful people up there just like here it's uh Tofino, um, it's pretty amazing. You you look across from Tofino over towards Mears Island under Lone Cone Mountain, and you see a pitsit, this like village, and it's you know somewhere between five to somewhere in between five to ten thousand years old. They know that, yeah. But even if it's only five, like only five, that's still the oldest first nation village in the entire world We're just over here i've been over to a pit a pit's it yeah. it's the oldest first nation village in the entire world where like a family's bloodline like the same people have been have been there and haven't moved you kidding it's me. the oldest in the world and it's like what we always look at from tofino right under lone cone mountain on mirrors island yeah and uh yeah so uh, it's pretty cool as a mate is fuck the history here and the the First Nation people here, they're amazing. And it's really special here. Yeah, especially the the climate that they thrived in. It's neat. Um I uh there's a really amazing guy named um Joe Martin who actually really, really he saved he like was well, he not alone, but um he was one of the leaders um in protecting Mears Island from logging. Uh the they they this company uh, i'm embarrassed that i forget the name because i really should know uh they wanted to um, log 90 percent of mirrors island and the first nations here fought against them and they they ended up logging i think 10 percent of the island but they saved 90 percent of it and it's uh it kind of became the first protected park of its kind and set precedent in all of canada so now it's like since it was the first protected park of its kind then other First Nations and other parts of Canada could do the same thing yeah. and protect land in the same way. Um, That's amazing. It's really neat. Uh, amazing water people. But uh, there's this guy, Joe Martin, who is um, definitely a leader in that fight. And he's like, uh, ev- everyone knows Joe around here. He's uh, he's a master, the master dugout canoe uh, carver out here. He's made over 60 dugout canoes. For those who don't know what a dugout is, you think of those massive old growth trees here. Um, you cut them down. You can make like a, I don't know, th- those extremely huge long canoes. It's not made out of multiple pieces of wood. It's made out of one tree and they literally dig it out and like make the shape out of it. And it's a huge process that includes like, um, you know, like you have to, you have to cut down an old growth tree in the forest and you're like, oh, that's kind of shitty. But the way Joe does it, he'll go out, 
he'll go out to the tree and he'll like make sure there's no eagles nests anywhere and around he'll make sure there's no bear wolf dens anywhere and around the old growth tree and he'll go and he'll pray with the tree like and not once like he'll go back over and over and over over like a few weeks and he'll pray with the tree and ask its permission to cut it down and he can get like multiple canoes out of one tree obviously and then he'll go and he'll cut down this tree with his family and he'll like it'll most of the work's done right there in the in the bush um in the in the rainforest i should call it sorry i'm hanging out with an australian used to calling it the the bush but uh he'll go into the rainforest with uh, his family members and he'll cut down the tree and they'll do a lot of the work there and then when it's kind of like has its shape it's rough shape they'll like it takes like a huge crew of these guys to like and girls to um take this canoe out of the woods and then they bring it back to his like beautiful like workshop and he, he he crafts check it out joe martin like his beautiful beautiful dugout so, canoes. how do you spell that uh just, joe so just j-o-e martin is m-a-r-t-i-n and um yeah the martin family and you know the frank there's there's like they're like royalty out here yeah this like these families but um it's pretty pretty amazing these canoes what their purpose uh you'd have these guys, it was like these guys would go out in these canoes offshore and they'd, they were actually back in the day used for whaling to go and hunt whale, huge whales. And what, and you know, people are pretty against whaling around the world, but back, back, back in the day when there were like huge whale populations, you, 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 you get one whale and you bring it back to a pit sit and you, there's your, you just fed the village for like, a long time plus plus you, you gotta understand this harsh climate that people are living in because you can't grow you can't grow food here all year round like we can in australia you got a really small window in the summer yeah i mean but the thing is uh the the first nations here are so in tune there's always there the the abundance of food is like crazy here so i mean you're you're right though like the there's seasons for everything like whales kind of start coming in march and they're not here for like all year they leave in the fall and uh salmon run in the summer times and but you know back in the day before white people came and fucked up the water and polluted the water there was like you could get shellfish all the time out here which you can't sometimes you can't even eat can't really eat the like clams and stuff in the mud flats anymore because of the contamination of the water from white people but there were there, the abundance of food in british columbia and out here is like insane yeah there's there's a lot of and especially then a lot of fish in the water and a lot of plants that are edible year round. Yeah. And, but the summertime is like abundant, but they know how to like dry food and properly like, you know, like sun cure fish and stuff. And, but yeah, getting a whale is like important and, um, it's pretty, and I want to make sure it's, I'm like kind of doing justice to Joe's story, but he, uh, he told me that what the the people in a pitsid um, would do is they would. I forget. I think I think a couple months before they were going to go out and um, and try to get a whale in these dugout canoes way off and like way offshore. They're paddling like way out offshore. Um, they would actually go into the mountains that you can kind of like see from Tofino if you're looking out towards Strathcona, those mountains, and they'd go into the mountains and they would pray for like two months um praying you know that things would go well with the hunt and then maybe a week before the hunt they would actually fast and they wouldn't eat 
And you'd think you'd want to eat a lot before you go on this huge journey out to sea. They'd bring a little bit of food, but not much. And they would like pretty much like almost starve themselves before they would go out on the hunt. And you go, why, right? Yeah. The reason is uh, there's nothing there's nothing that's like wants to kill as much as a hungry wolf. So that was their mentality. Like they would starve themselves. So it's like they need to succeed. They yeah. need to, they would like pray for months in the mountains, starve themselves and then go on the hunt. Super hungry. That is so, so amazing. Like, and then the, the amount of respect that they have an understanding that they have for the land out here. I, um, I was living with a vegan guy for a couple of months and I stopped eating meat. Right. Yeah. And, and even when I do eat meat, I try and do it in a responsible way. But I went to do this um, little island trip where I got dropped off on an island for five days and without any food or water, um, just as a little challenge to myself. And at about day three, there was um, some peacocks, like these big Australian beautiful birds. And they're in the tree and they're a bit slow. And I started looking at them. And I can't, it's really hard for me to kill animals and everything, but it's so weird that and this is what people don't understand either. It's like, okay, so I'm in a survival situation. I'm in a place where I've um, been fasting, where um, I've been pushing myself and burning a lot of calories. And straight up, I'm seeing this beautiful animal. But I'm not looking at it like a beautiful animal. It was, so, it was such an amazing experience to have because I never even thought that I'd think like that. And I just started thinking and looking at it as food and just being like, I want to, I reckon I could catch that thing. And I started thinking about it like, thinking about and that was actually going to be my backup plan if i didn't catch any fish i was like maybe i'm gonna to have to um to catch a peacock here but it was just so and then after and after i had a feed then that thought just left my head and it was so weird and I, it was something that was great to ponder about but it was like it was so it was so interesting i found it so interesting to think about how quick my body how quick my mind went into actual survival mode and about and killing mode actually you know what I mean? It's like, okay, my body needed something and I started looking at something that, you know, and I was willing to do that at the time. It's nature. Yeah, and that's exactly what it is and that's exactly what you're doing. You're connecting yourself to this to this nature where these people here, they already are connected and they are so connected. Yeah, it's like most places in like the developed world, you just go to a supermarket and we people don't get it, you know? We're so disconnected from our food. That's it's, the thing. it's crazy. Like, I think it was... Um, the Dalai Lama, I think he said that, you know, like if, if you have a salad and you have like these leafy greens and these vegetables and fruit and there's meat, if there's meat in your salad, like chicken or fish or whatever, if you can't like, if you just eat a salad and you don't like consciously think that like, and understand that you're kind of like eating vegetables versus meat, if it's just like, I'm just eating a salad and you can't like actually realize that you're, that's like, a life that's been taken yeah like you need to find more connection yeah if you like can't even if you haven't even thought about it but i i actually worked at a, a vegan restaurant when i met you in australia and i i went vegetarian um for quite a while because when you are around those people you start to hear the actual facts and truths like yeah, exactly and there's a whole like there's a whole bunch of reasons to be to not eat meat <clears throat> it be it ethical or environmental reasons or for or like nutritional you know there's there's lots of different but all of them there's a lot of reasons good reasons not to eat meat um 
that being said, I, 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 I eat meat. Um, but I remember at this stage I was vegetarian working at a vegan restaurant and a uh, beautiful place. And like, um, if you can, if you can, if like, if you can, if you're in a place like Australia where you grow food, all you can grow food year round and, and, uh, you feel good. Like you're, you're, you, you have to listen to your body too. Right. Yeah. Um, but if you're eating this vegan diet and it's like, it's working for you and you feel healthy and you feel good. Amazing. Keep doing it. Um, but I remember I was, I was a waiter at this restaurant and these ladies, they go to me, are you a vegan? As I'm serving them, I go, no, I'm vegetarian right now, but I'm not a vegan. And they go, okay, well, that's pretty good, but you should be a vegan. I go, I, I, I hear you, you know, like I hear you. And they're like, uh, yeah, eating meat's just like, there's no need to eat meat for anyone anywhere. And I said, and like, <laughs> I probably shouldn't have. Well, you're Canadian. And I'm like, I'm like that, that's silly. Like, I'm like, I didn't say that silly to them. I was like, Hey, like I respectfully disagree with you. Cause, um, I said to them, what about the Inuit in the Arctic? The first nations up in the Arctic, they live in the snow and the ice, you know, like they don't, they can't grow fucking anything, you know, they eat, they eat seals. They like, they like go out in their kayaks made of seal skins with harpoons and they like they hunt seals and they eat the blubber and it is so rich with it's really surprising that a lot of the a lot of uh what you need from fruits and vegetables and stuff you can actually get in seal seal blubber and so they eat these seals and they're a healthy people and they don't eat like any they like don't eat fruit or vegetables at all like i mean i mean now it's like it's different right like with well, because we can, yeah, we can ship stuff. Off, we can ship stuff, stuff up there, but it's like still, it's like it's Freak. ridiculous how much food costs up north. Yeah. Oh, but sucks. Yeah. Traditionally, I'm like we're we're talking about like traditionally, right? Yeah. They'd have to hunt, um, in the ice, and and I said, what about those people and and these vegan ladies? Fuck. Well, they should move. And I was just like, <laughs> I'm done talking to you. I'm done. Like, are you serious? <laughs> Ladies. This is the thing, like, and, and that's that disconnection, like understanding the connection. When you, this is the whole thing about traveling, this is what I love to see and seeing these different cultures and these different cultures in their environment and seeing these different people for who they are. It's like that's them; they don't have to change for us. It's like, yeah, the thing. This is the thing about the these people too. They understand nature and they understand what it needs, and they don't. I, you know, I saw. I, I don't know. Like it's like you know they they know when they're they're hunting the the moose to take the bull. You know what I mean? They yeah. know that to to take the one that's already spread its seed and give the young bucks a chance. They know they you know. It's like there's a, there's a very ethical way they can hunt in. But before we get into that, that actually, um, yeah, because that's that that's open that opens up a whole big topic. But I was thinking because you just told me two amazing stories, and what was also so amazing about this is that it was so Canadian. And I was sitting in your house today. I told you when you got home from work, I was sitting in your house today and I was making myself a coffee and I was looking around your place and I just went, holy shit, Mike, you are so Canadian. <laughs> I was like, and this is just for me, is like an amazing experience as, as well. And as, 
as much as I love Canada and love being here, and it's like I haven't been here for a while and come back and experience this culture again. So I was thinking it might be cool if um, you leave me with one of those one of those songs you like to play. Yeah. Um, if you feel like it. Which, uh, you, do you have a request? Just anything you'd like before you're just absolutely like just serenading me. All right. Well, <clears throat> I think you, when you were like, you kind of asked me to play something <clears throat> Canadian earlier. How about a beer first? You know, can you crack yeah, me a beer, I'm brother? Definitely crack it. Thank you. I love opening beers in front of the mic. That was a nice crisp sound. Yeah. <clears throat> Actually, I hope that it kind of like, kind of picks up both from over there. It sounds good. All right. I know, uh, I know Neil Young. <clears throat> Kind of lives out, uh, I think he's still in the Laurel Canyons, like near Hollywood on his ranch still. But uh, I know he, but he's Canadians, they know he's Canadian. He's, he's from here and he sings about here and he loves coming back home. So uh, a, like a campfire isn't a campfire in Canada without someone singing Neil Young. So yeah. this is corny as fuck, but... Just- um, yeah, I'll do um, I'll do a Neil Young song. Oh, I love it, and I fucking love Canada. Me too, eh? I just I just fucking love my life. <laughs> just doing everything I want to do. I'm actually just going to have one sip first and do a throat clear because <clears throat> no dude this is the thing this whole recording is the ex- the expression of the experiences that we're having that makes it a little more real right a little more raw yeah that f- <coughs> <clears throat> alright Neil I just want to do it justice you know I mm. love Neil it's uh he's my roots and kind of how I learned to play guitar from my uncle Tony who I like to do mushrooms with on uh yeah. Ocean kayak trips. He taught me how to play <clears throat> guitar and helped with my Neil Young appreciation. Set me in the right direction. You're an amazing musician, dude. Thank you. My life, I'm a lord. Like- 
Dude, I think you just did Neil Young justice. Oh, thanks. Canadian style. Thanks, Dude, Aaron. Thanks for telling me some amazing stories, and thanks for coming on. Oh, it's it's been fun. That was uh, <laughs> good to revisit those stories, and good to have you in my home, and good to have you in Tofino, and reconnect, man. Yeah, thanks, brother. It was fucking amazing, Canadian. Yeah, bro. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. My pleasure. Anytime. Yeah. Bye, guys.